Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Take Hot Box. We have plenty to discuss today, March 22nd. We got Sixers keep rolling along uh, ups and downs with this new Harden era. It has not been as pleasant as maybe I would have liked or maybe you would have liked, but last night was definitely a pleasant night there. I played you in with some maxi uh, taking care of business, becoming an absolute force at the end of this game last night. Uh, 13 of the team's last 16 or 19 points. I'm not exactly not the stat in front of me, but I know that man took over at the end of the game, and uh, poor Tyler Harrow was getting abused at the end of that game. So the Sixers win a game where Embiid and Harden are not playing. It's been a little bit since we've been here. Uh, apologies from me because of my computer and just this whole storage issue. Every time I try to record an episode, the whole computer crashes. and So I've remo- removed some things. I, like I told you, I don't like removing episodes from the past. Just I, don't, I like to have them just in case I have to go back to them and use them or repost them or something like that. But I did have to delete some. Had to delete a few episodes from the archives to make a little room here for today's episode. And for, you know, we got the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast. Always check in on that. So we got a lot to get into. We got a lot to discuss. Uh, let's go to the Sixers first of all. We we left it off right before the Nets game, and I'm glad I did not come in here after that Nets game. I had it fired up, ready to go, but I, I had a feeling I was going to say some things that I might regret, and uh, I'll kind of harken back to a little bit of my feelings from that night. There's just the absolute disgust and uh, betrayal that I felt, and just the the disappointment that I felt in that game specifically. That it, it, I just, I, I've never, I, I mean, as a Sixers fan, as a Philly fan, it's never good when your team gets blown out. But when it's supposedly supposed to be a big game and your team just lays an absolute egg and just might as well have stayed in the locker room. Embiid was the only one who looked like he wanted to be there or looked like the game meant something to him. And the rest of the squad looked like they were scared, embarrassed, and terrified. Now Embiid's, uh, you know, eagerness and ready to play we've seen that in the past where playoffs and sometimes sometimes he plays too hard and it it kind of hurts the team I mean five of 17 from the field that night he had all them free throws in the beginning and we just weren't in the game from the very from the very jump it it was sort of a no it was a no contest to begin with I mean 40 to 23 to end the first quarter and we never like we never made that run to come get back into the game where you thought I mean, Kyrie was on fire. KD was unbelievable. Seth Curry was killing us. Like, we were getting killed from all angles everywhere. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this since it was so long ago, but I did want to just, you know, I, like, I, the Harden, I, that was the first night where I just thought, well, maybe we got, maybe we got screwed. And Harden has not played well in these last week, in these last few weeks since we, since we got him. It seems like he looks like a slow, old version of himself. That's if I'm being completely honest and and unbiased in this, that's what I say. He he did not. I mean, eleven points, three of seventeen from the field. Tobias had an okay game that night. Maxi was an absolute no show that night. Which that off the offense that night looked the worst I've I've seen it all season long. 
and in the last few years. No ball movement. No, I mean, I know there's that's my been, been my big complaint with this offense. I mean, for the last couple of weeks, just just from watching it, it's no ball movement, no no running of actual offense. It's all iso ball, and let's break a guy down. Let's waste 15, 20 seconds of the shot clock, and then let's shoot a bad shot at the end of the shot clock, and uh, you miss, and then they go down the other end. The other team runs a good a good set, gets a gets a good bucket, gets a good shot, gets a good look. We don't really do that on a consistent basis, and. Last night they looked they looked better. Uh, we'll you know we'll go through it all. Uh, the, then they go to Orlando and they uh, they barely win a game in overtime against the Magic, which was uh, talk about like it, it's like a a game where you feel like you lost but you won. You know like where you're just so like oh, I cannot believe that that almost just happened. Like uh, Embiid had 35, but he still was nine of 28 from the field. Another. 15 to 17 from the free throw line. Just keep going to the free throw line. Or Harden went 13 of 15 from the free throw line that night. And he went 5 of 19. So that that was a part of the streak where I was just like, oh my God, this is this is bad. This is very, very bad. And then they lose to the Nuggets, which was a game where they played well, but they blew a lead, an early lead that they had. A game they should not have lost. They were getting uh, cooked by a Bones Highland gentleman. And it just uh, kind of one of those nights where, uh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and uh, bang my fist on the table and get all angry about that. They just they just didn't play well, you know. It's that or not that they didn't play well. It's just you kind of got beat by a better team on that night, and and beat outplayed Jokic. That was kind of the mindset or the the thought process going in. It was all a one on one Embiid versus uh, Jokic MVP sort of battle, and they won the game. But I would say. We won the um, MVP uh, matchup. Cavaliers then on Wednesday night. Sixers take care of business. Another huge game from Embiid where he absolutely dominates. A little more efficient this time, 13 of 19. Maxi with a great game. Harden kind of, you know, coasting along again, 21 of uh, and 11 uh, assists. You know, it just, this was uh, uh, all Embiid that night, if I remember correctly, because it, it was, it, I think he had like 21 in the first half. He just dominated throughout, and it, the, he just has the Cavs number. They don't have a guy that can guard him. You know, there's no Jared Allen now because he's hurt. So it's a um, you know Evan Mobley's out there trying to guard him by himself, basically. And Kevin Love, they, they those guys have no business guarding him, and it's not that's just not going to happen. You're see you later. Thanks for coming. Sixers Mavericks. Sixers get another win. Embiid another good game. Thirty two points. Harden with another twenty four and twelve. That's a little bit of a better game from him. Three of eight from three, which you want to see more of. Uh, and Harris has been shooting the three a little bit better. Two of three from this in this game, but yeah, you know, it's that that was a game. That was a one, probably the most. Uh, no, I wouldn't say like crazy impressive, but it just that one felt good. That's a good team coming in here, and we took care of business. Then they lay an absolute egg against Toronto, which I'm not even going to go into that too much. Then they that was last or two nights ago. Last night they sit and beat and Harden, and the Sixers win without them. Tyrese Maxey has 28. Like I said, down down the stretch, just carried the team. Milton with a 20 point uh, performance. Cork Maz had 18. Like this is all, what we talk about, and I'll get into this, uh, you know, in a couple seconds. The I mean, Harris had 14, which that's just. He's like the fifth highest scorer on the team, which we obviously need more from him. But if the other guys are going to step up and do their thing, then we don't need more from him. You know, like that's he can just kind of hang out and do his thing. Niang, 15, you know, like that's that's just crazy production from guys on the bench when 
the other guys are here, and when they're playing, we get nothing from the bench. And that's, I think, a thing that's going to really hold us back here is the the guys that we do have coming off the bench, the Niangs, the Korkmazes, the Miltons. They're, like I've talked about on here, they're so inconsistent that you can't count them on a night-in and night-out basis because of things like that. You just... You know, DeAndre Jordan has been pretty bad, pretty awful. His plus minus is in the dumper. It's not it's not good. You're gonna probably at some point gonna have to see more Charles Bassey and Paul uh, Paul Reed, but I, I that I don't think there's much there either. You know, like there's a reason those guys aren't playing. It's not like they're holding them back and these guys are these budding superstars that are gonna come in here and just go crazy and dominate the backup center position and get these huge minutes. Like there's a reason they're not playing. It's because they can't be trusted and they don't, they're not that good. They're not that good right now. You know, like they're young players. They're just not, they're not there yet. DeAndre Jordan plays, let's see what, 24 minutes last night. It was actually a plus seven. So that, that goes to show you what, you know, what was going on last night. The boys were humming, they were cooking. And uh, if you can get, I mean, they shot great last night. You know, Korkmaz made four threes, Niang made three threes. Maxi made himself three threes at the end of the game. It was, you know, you're going to need the the Niangs, the Korkmazes, and the Shake Miltons to perform at a high level in the playoffs. And by high level, I mean make some shots, be somewhat productive in their role. You know, be a high-level bench player. That's that's all we're asking of those guys. And they've already asked a lot of Niang. Niang's playing a lot of minutes, you know, high 20s, low 30 minutes uh, situation for him. That's not something that is uh, sustainable, I would say, or something that you can, you know, reasonably count on Niang to play that many minutes. And, and just, that's just a lot you're putting on a guy who is, he's a, he's a bench guy, you know, he's a shooter off the bench. He can do different things. He can score. He can, you know, not really play much of defense. He really can't move much either. So we're just going to need to take the pressure off these guys. And I think the way you're going to take the pressure off these guys is James Harden's going to need to play better. The offense needs to run a little bit more smoothly. The Maxi maybe needs to have the ball in his hands a little bit more or run the offense through Maxi a little bit more because you can see when he has the opportunity or when the you know when the restrictions are taken off of him and he can kind of play freely without worry of any, you know, having to get the ball to this guy or that guy or getting yelled at by Embiid or Harden or do this or do that. He he can perform. He plays well. He he does. I mean, look look at the way he played last night. You know, and I understand that's just a one night thing, and you can't do that on a regular basis. But I'd like to see a little bit more of it. I go back to that Nets game. Four fucking points. He has like Seth Curry and guys like that on him. We need to be exploiting that. And I liked last night that they exploited Tyler Harrow. We need to be exploiting guys. That's what it's going to take in the playoffs. It's going to take like matchups like that that we can just attack and go after. Guys like Trey Young that we saw in the playoffs last year that I thought we didn't take enough advantage of, that we didn't go after him enough. It's probably because we had a, a point guard on our team who didn't want to shoot and didn't want to you know, actually play basketball. That's, we're not going back there. We're not looking to and talk about him real quickly. He's not even, he might not even play again this year. You know, Now his back's acting up. He's getting epidurals and all that. So God bless. You know, let, let's, let's keep talking to Stephen A. about how we got hosed. You know? Get the fuck out of here. But my uh, confidence in the Sixers winning the championship this year, it, it definitely took a hit in these last few weeks, especially after that Nets game. Some of these other games have just, you know, kind of brought me back down to earth where my head was in the clouds, and I understand. I'm, I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan, number one, but I look at this shit as unbiasedly as I possibly can because I've been around enough, and I've seen enough of these teams, I watch enough of this shit that 
I, I think I know what's going on. I think ultimately we're not deep enough to do it unless these two, Harden and Embiid, play out of their fucking minds. And right now you're not getting that from Harden. And, and Embiid's played out of his mind for the better part of this year. He has his bad games here and there, but he has been the guy, your rock, that you can count on on a game in and game out basis. We're just going to need more from Harden, truly. He's going to need to play better. It's that simple. He needs to be quick. It just seems physically he's not and like not there. It just doesn't look like he's able to get the separation. He doesn't. He's not as explosive, nearly as explosive as he used to be. And I'm not saying like I. These are all things we already knew. He's obviously getting older as a player, but he hasn't shot well either. That's that's also another thing where I mean. Maybe the hamstring is a thing, you know. Maybe his legs aren't underneath of him. He can't. He's he's short on a lot of his step back threes, and he just has not been as crisp and just just not has has not been James Harden, you know. And I think he said that he's trying to ease his way in here. He's been a little passive since he got here, you know, passing the ball a little too much, trying to look for open guys and whatnot instead of trying to go and get his own which I think we, we need that more. You know, We need him to go out there and be trying to be aggressive on offense and try to score the ball because that's what we got you to do. You know, like, I, I've liked what we've seen you know, overall from, from him, but it's just I need more. You know? and, and I like what he brings to the team. I, like, I, I shouldn't say I, like, I don't, haven't really loved what I've seen. I just need more, and I, I know what, you're, what he's capable of and what he can do, and we just need, we're going to need more from him. We are going to need more from him if we plan on making a deep run in the playoffs. Otherwise, it's going to be one and done. Or, or if we play the Bulls, we're lucky enough to play the Cavs or the Bulls in the first round. We'll beat them, and then we'll lose in the second round. That's that's ultimately where I'm at right now. Because, you know, you got Paul Millsap playing 23 minutes last night. You know? So it's... The, our bench is going to ultimately hurt us when you play a team like the Nets and they're bringing Dragic... And these Bruce Brown is starting, and he and he's dominating. You know, he's like he's killing us. You you, you you know, it's we're we're up against it. We're up against it if we're going to play against a team like that. You know, James Johnsons, the Nick Claxtons, Patty Mills. You know, these guys aren't great, but they're, they're you know they're better than some of the guys we have and producing. And they've produced other places and produced at a high level coming off the bench. And now they're not even expected to do much because you have a guy like. Guys like Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant, our only chance against a team like that is if the vaccine shit continues to happen and he can't play at home. That's that's our only hope. Because when we matched up with them, or we hope that Ben Simmons comes back and he absolutely just stunts their growth and continues to be the player that he was in Game 7 of last year, which I don't know how reasonable it is to expect him to come back at the end of this season and play, what, like one or two games, absolutely ruin their chemistry and whatnot, and then just pop them in in the playoffs and you can be playing, like, serious playoff minutes? That That is probably our best-case scenario for, for people who are rooting again for the downfall of the Nets. The Nets are in the ninth spot right now, though, so they're not exactly a team that you're worried about or, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I'm worried about them. Believe me, I am fucking worried about them, but I'm just saying, like, you're not... You know, looking up at the roof and, and tossing and turning and thinking about them, I guess the average team is. So I look at it now, they are in the eighth spot right now. They would play the Miami Heat in the first round if this was the normal way, but they would play in the play-in games. I believe they would play the Raptors and then uh, the loser. There's a whole situation, but that's a very fluid situation down there. They are only, what, 
uh, I guess they would no, pretty much, no matter what, be in the play-in game because it's going to be Hawks and, and Hornets. But there's not much uh, margin for error. You have one bad game and you're going home. You know, especially if they drop down to that nine seed and the Hornets jump up ahead of them, and they, they, it's just a dangerous, dangerous game down there. And, and you might wind up running into them in the first round. You, you, it's definitely a possibility. Bucks are tied with us. Celtics are tied with us. So we could drop down to the four seed in a, you know. In some scenarios, which might actually be better for us, because playing the Raptors or the or the Nets doesn't sound like a appealing situation right now. So that's the Sixers. Uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much. Uh, it's they're not necessarily a dead horse. I don't want to make it sound bad, but we have the Lakers. We're going out west now, so we'll have the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Suns. And hopefully, I'll be back in to talk about that before we get into the Bucks and the Pistons. And we're wrapping this up pretty soon, so. We'll, we'll see what we, uh, what I leave you with is we're going to need more from the bench. We need more from James Harden. And Bede's going to have to continue to do his thing. And Doc needs to be better as well. I, that that goes without saying. I, I don't even – I don't want to get out of here without telling you that Doc is, has been horrible. He, he just simply has been horrible. And his rotations, some of the lineups he's played with uh, abandoning, like no stars on the floor, and it's just – Niangs, and he's running those same like Danny Green, Niang, you know, Korkmaz lineups again, where it's like, what the fuck are we doing? No point guard on the floor. It, he's just, and uh, he, he seems like an epidemic with him where he continues to blow these leads or the team blows these leads and he has no ability to do anything about it, to stop the bleeding. To He just can't, there's no adjustments. It's just nothing. Over and over again, we continue to blow these leads. Uh, and it's just it's a it's a huge huge problem. Let's kick it over to the Phillies. Our baseball season is right on the horizon. The lockout is over, thank God. And we are April eighth, so we are seventeen days away from opening day. And the Phillies kicking it off against the Oakland Athletics, if I'm not mistaken. And we got quite we got some news, man. You know the Phils are. As legit as they've ever been, they they gone out and they we were hoping for the Chris Bryant's and, and Freddie Freeman goes out uh, goes out west to L.A. Chris Bryant winds up going to Colorado, which he gets paid a ridiculous amount of money around a seven year, one hundred and eighty two million dollar contract. He will over the life of his contract, he will make more than the com- the combined contracts. Of Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos are the two guys that the Phillies signed, which I tell you what, I can't be more happy about it, about those two signings. Me and if you go back to listen to the last time uh, the Dean was on, Derek DiMaria, uh, my baseball aficionado, he, we, we kind of talked about those two as being like the guys that we really wanted and, and the realistic possibility of trying to get one, one of those guys. We, we didn't even talk about getting both of them, but... No one thought that they would get both of these guys. It's it's absolutely unreal that they they I can't like we ne- we just never thought it was a realistic possibility that they would go over the tax and, and sign guys that we view as like premier free agents or premier players in this league. Those two are along with Bryce Harper. We now have three guys who led the league or, or were top ten in the league in OPS. Bryce Harper led the league in OPS last year, so. We, we have, a, uh, and the conversation will always be, yeah, we have a legit lineup, but our defense is going to be bad. Whatever. Our defense has always been bad. It was bad last year. It'll be bad this year. 
But at least this year we'll have some actual talent on the roster. We'll have some legitimate power in the lineup. We'll have actual guys that we can count on and trust to get hits in big situations. We won't be counting on JT Romuto to be the number one, the number two hitter. We won't be counting on Reese Hoskins to carry the lineup for you know for power and, and to be the uh, the anchor behind Bryce Harper. It's we're not going to be counting on Bryce Harper to do literally everything. Get on base, score himself, steal all the bags. You know, like just it's not the pressure is going to be taken off of him. Not completely, but a a little bit. You know, and there's still pressure on him now because you now we actually have players that that are going to help him. We have we have legit talent on this team. A lineup of Schwarber, Castellanos, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto, right there. That's that that's a, a deadly five-man lineup right there. And then you have guys like Segura. You're going to have a, a DD in there in the beginning, but Stott, I imagine, will make his appearance some point during this season. And if you don't know who Stott is, he's the, probably the number one prospect in the in the Phillies organization, especially the number one org, uh, positional player. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a pitcher somewhere along the lines that's going to rank higher than him, but I'm, I'm almost positive that Bryce Harper, well, not not Bryce Harper, his uh, his roommate, Bryson Stott is the number one prospect in the Phillies organization. And yes, I would be correct here. It is. I, I'll, pull, I'll give you the top five of the list. We've got Bryson Stott here, Mick Abel, Andrew Painter, Johan Rojas, and Logan O'Hop or Hope, whichever, however you want to say that. There's two P's in there. So that's a problem for me. As you, If you ever listen to the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast and you listen to me try to pronounce these Russian names, it's unbelievable. It is Olympics in itself, but these other guys that I named are, are kind of far away. Logan's a little bit closer. They have him ETA at 2022, but he's obviously going to be behind JT Romuto. Maybe he'll be up to try to take some days away from him just to help him, you know, maybe move JT to a DH. The DH is going to be huge, especially for our team this year where we can bounce some guys around and get some guys some days off, let them DH and, and still be a part of the team and lineup and, the Schwarbers and, and Castellanos are going to go back and forth. Uh, I'm sure uh, it will. Schwarber especially is going to go back and forth as a DH. I'm sure you'll see Hoskins in the DH and and whatnot. Uh, you're going to need more from Alec Bohm this year. Uh, the Phillies went out and got. I think the the big thing is the bullpen. You know the the Brad Hands, the uh, Jesus Familia, um, Corey Corey Knable. There's just a lot of guys that they went out and got that uh, should shore up this bullpen a little bit more. Got Sir Sir Anthony came out today, made his spring training debut. He looked good. That we're just gonna need uh, the bullpen to be a little bit more sure-handed, and you know the the I think the rotation will be okay. You know, and I I always hearken back to uh, this is the second time I said hearken by the way. So if you're counting that, or if you're doing, if you're having a drinking game out there, then take another shot. When the Phils won the World Series, their rotation was not exactly the world-beating type. You know, we we won the World Series with guys like, I mean, Cole Hamels was elite. He was absolutely the ace without question. Brett Myers, Joe Blanton, Jamie Moyer. You know, and the bullpen was all guys who just did their role, knew knew what they were supposed to do, and took care of business. Brad Lidge, Ryan Madsen, uh, lockdown, absolute lockdown. J.C. Romero. Scott Air, you know, you just got you got guys who just knew what they were supposed to do, came in and excelled at their roles. That's how you win. That's how baseball teams win championships. 
this year, uh, you know, we got some guys that it's going to be better to see out there as opposed to hopefully we don't get a lot of Bailey Falter and some of the names from last year escaping me. You know, we're not going to see any Hector Neris. Hector Neris is gone now. So, and the rotation, like I was going to say, it's it's hopefully you're going to need more from Aaron Nola. We're going to hope Zach Wheeler can bounce back. I mean, he had a great year, but I'm just saying bounce back from the shoulder issue. Apparently he had a shoulder issue in December that has been lingering, and it's a reason why he's a little bit behind on his spring training. He hasn't really been throwing as much in the beginning of spring training and whatnot. I'm hoping that that situation rectifies itself. Uh, Ranger Suarez, who was incredible once they put him in the starting rotation, we we're gonna hope we get some from him. Come uh, we got Kyle Gibson for another season, so maybe Kyle Gibson can build on his year last year, where he he had a good year, but it wasn't you know a great year. He did his job. He, he played his role, played his position, and played it well. Another guy, Zach Zach Eflin, who missed the end of last year with a I believe an elbow sort of situation. He's been oh I'm sorry a knee a knee a knee. I always assume with a pitcher that it's always a knee, but he did have a knee issue. Kept him out for like six to eight months. So hopefully, you know, he's been pitching. I've seen him out there in spring training, not like throwing in games, but he's there. He's working out. So maybe he'll be ready for the season, maybe somewhere in April, end of April. You know, uh, you'll get him back at some point. And that guy, that's a guy who has all of the physical talent in the world, who sometimes he just can't put it together. Sometimes he looks like the greatest pitcher to ever play the game, and then sometimes he doesn't look like that. So... The Phils have a solid rotation. I I believe that it doesn't. Maybe you don't agree with that, but that's what I think. You know, and I think the Phillies are absolutely primed to make a run, especially at the NL East. But they, I would be horribly upset and disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. They they have a team now where you absolutely should expect them to make the playoffs. And I didn't talk about Odubel or who's going to be playing in center field. It seems like they're going to go with a platoon of Odubel and Matt Veerling. Shout out to Matty V, Notre Dame. We love Matty V here on the Hot Take Hot Box, but we're going to have to see what, what the deal is with that or if they make a move. There was an Austin Meadows conversation uh, happening online and just rumors of maybe the Phils aren't done making a move. Maybe that Logan O'Hope gentleman will will get moved because he's a catcher who's kind of close to coming up, and we don't really have a spot for him. That could that could be something I see, and yeah, the, the fills I'm I'm all in on, ladies and gentlemen. I I, I am all in. I I don't want to talk about these guys too much. I don't want to get too excited right now. I got to work my way there. You know, it, it, right now it's just guys walking around with shorts and gloves, throwing baseballs around. We are starting to get some games going on, but it's. Very early on, sort of say we're gonna we're 17 days, so we'll have a couple weeks to ramp up. Schwarber's gonna play on Friday, I've been told. Castellanos will be introduced tomorrow at a uh, press conference, so it, we're gonna we're gonna get there, ladies and gentlemen. We're revving up. The hot take hotbox will be here all season long to talk about it because uh, I I just something about the baseball season. I just love it. It's a complete the the focus is completely on baseball, especially during the summer. There's nothing else going on. So it's all fills all the time, and I I love it. I truly love it, and we're gonna have the Deem on in a couple weeks. I'd love to hear what his take uh, is on the fills, how he thinks they're gonna do this season. I'm sure he's as excited, or you know, but he usually likes to bring a more mild-tempered uh, approach to talking about the fills, and we shall see. Though I'm, oh man, I just I, I can sit here and talk about it all day. I just think the the lefty righty contrast in our lineup is gonna be awesome. Too. I mean, we have a ton of le- like. 
I was watching Schwarber highlights last night. That guy can golf some baseballs out, and he, he, he just. I, I just feel like these guys are going to kill it here in at Citizens Bank Park, man. It's just they're going to rake. All of these guys are going to absolutely rake. Castellanos and Hoskins and Real Muto from the right side. Harper, it's just we're going to be awesome, dude. It's going to be awesome all season long. And it, like I said, if we can get one of. One of Eflin Gibson, I mean, Nola, ha- this goes without saying that Nola needs to pitch better and he needs to be more than a, a four ERA guy, but, and especially towards the end of the year, which has been a common theme in his career where he just has nothing for you to come down September, you know, end of August, September, and we haven't been in October, but I couldn't imagine what it looks like by then. We just need more from him. We need, we're going to need one of Suarez. Uh, we're gonna need Suarez to kind of pitch the way he did last year, but obviously, I I, I don't reasonably think he can, he can reproduce what he did last year. But why not? You know, like why? There's also another thought process of why couldn't he? Because he, he all he's done is just pitch the lights out every every time you've given him the ball. So uh, let's say it. You know, I'm very excited. Can Eflin bounce back? Can Eflin give you some quality uh, innings and and keep it? Out of having to use the bullpen and having to, you know, blow out guys like Brad Hand and the Alvarados of the world, and can can the Alvarados and the Familias not blow games for you once once you do have to go to them and where they can't find the strike zone and you just can't you can't you have no one to turn to or trust. It seems like we have a wealth of bullpen arms now, a good rotation, an incredible lineup. What what's the you know like what why am I why am I going to be the one sitting here telling you no you shouldn't be excited well why shouldn't why what you know what's to stop us defense sure that can only stop us so much though there's only so many games you can blow by by you know and Alec Bohm I don't love him at third base I don't love having that I mean, he needs to bounce back as well there's some things obviously where where I'm going to brush over here because I'm excited but there are some 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 blind spots that I'm missing here where the third base is a question. Center field is definitely a question, but that that might be it. And the defense. Other than that, I'm all in on the fills, full steam ahead. And I'll do, I just did that with the Sixers and then I'll come back to you in a couple weeks and say, all right, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be as excited. Maybe let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I do that, but for right now, you have every reason to be excited about the Phillies. I, I am all in. And I could, see, I could see them making a run for the NL East. Definitely, definitely playing in the playoffs for in that wild card uh, series. And just, yeah, all, 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 all aboard, baby. All aboard. Choo-choo. Let's keep it moving. I uh, don't want to waste too much time. The Eagles, the Eagles have made, actually did make a big signing, Hassan Reddick, a uh, sort of 3-4-ish uh, sort of joker linebacker in, in our system where he will have his hand on the dirt, but not really as much. He'll kind of be a stand-up rusher and, and just he, he, he temple guy, Philly guy, provides a whole nother element of uh, pass rush. And, you know, it's definitely something to be excited about. But the Eagles overall, I guess I can't sit here and, and bang my chest about a, a linebacker slash DN being signed when the Eagles haven't done anything at all overall. So... They signed Zach Pascal, and that's pretty much it. You know, the, the offense is still kind of 
in disarray, I would say. Uh, you're going to be bringing – it seems like right as of right now, they're just kind of hoping – from my eyes, it looks like they're actually going to be taking these picks and they're going – they're just kicking – they're not – I don't see them kicking the can down the road. Maybe one, one or one of those first round picks, but I feel I can see them taking two of those first round picks. It seems like they've cleared the space to make sure that they have the money to to draft these guys if they want to. They they have twenty million in cap space, and they they have fifteen million, I believe, is going to be the price to bring back or, or, or I'm sorry, draft these guys and and have the money to sign them all and keep you know because a lot of the contracts are allotted and decided beforehand but I don't know I I just don't I don't have much of a a thinking on the Eagles all the quarterbacks are off the board Russell Wilson moved Matt Ryan just got traded to the Colts not saying I really wanted him now Baker Mayfield's available that's something I would honestly look at I know I'm in the minority there but I feel like if you can get him for a cheap maybe third or fourth. Like, I don't know what the price would be where I, I would, I don't really want to give up a high round pick for him, but to take a flyer on a Baker Mayfield who was injured last year and you know, who, who's not been great, but not been bad. Maybe you believe in your coaching staff and just, you think you can maybe turn him around or, or get the best out of him or he fits your system a little bit more what the a system as in like running an actual offense and having a quarterback who can maybe get the ball down the field a little bit. I don't know if Baker, I listen, I'm not in love with Baker Mayfield. I'm just more of in the mindset where I want, I just want a quarterback who can actually throw the ball down the field a little bit. And I'm kind of getting desperate at this point because uh, it looks like Jalen hurts is going to come back next year. And I don't, I don't have faith in his ability to make the, the leaps and the bounds and the jumps in his game and in his progression that it's going to take for us to be a quality team or for him to, or, or for like, we're, we're going to win games in spite of him is my personal opinion. I, I don't think he had like, uh, I hate being this guy. I really, I really do. I, I, I hate being the, the negative Nancy uh, of the fan base or, or just, I just don't, I don't like having a quarterback that's going to hold us back. I don't like having a quarterback that if we go down, we're done. He's not going to be able to carry us back into a game or make the plays necessary or, or run a two-minute offense that we can, you know, bing, bing, ding, ding, ding down the field and get right. Like where you have these other quarterbacks in the league, if you give them the ball with a minute 30 and he's, they're, you're on your own 15, this game is nowhere near over. You don't even need the timeouts. We, we can get, get right back down this field and give ourselves a shot at least. It, I don't have the faith in Jalen Hurts now. You, you're the other argument would be, yeah, well, he's young, you know, he's still growing and he's developing and all that. And I hear that, I really hear that. But at a certain point, a guy is who he is. I heard a lot of the, and I hate to make this comparison, but it's the one that comes to mind: the Ben Simmons, uh, yeah, the jump shot, it'll come. He'll learn how to shoot. He'll. He'll develop his offensive game. He'll he'll you know he'll just figure it out. At a certain point, maybe that's just not him. And I think Jalen Hurts doesn't have that mentality of like a I'm good enough. I don't need to get better, which I think is a is a problem with Ben Simmons. But you can't it, you you're not going to get that much better at throwing a football. Maybe he'll be able to uh, read read the field better or progress better, but still. I'm still shell-shocked from the Tampa Bay game and NFL Films having the guys on the, on the Tampa Bay sideline telling me he can't read, he can't read, he can't read. Yeah, that that's If that doesn't concern you, then I think you're just a moron. 
I think you're just trying to you're just looking at this through uh, midnight green glasses, and you're just trying to act like it's not happening. And you're just an Eagles fan. We're gonna be good. Like I understand that. I understand you just want to be an Eagles fan and root for the team. I'm gonna root for them either way, whether he's the quarterback or not. I'm just telling you what I think, and I don't think he's the guy. I really, I truly do not think he's the guy. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I always hope I'm wrong when I make these declarations and, and say these things. So even when I was talking shit on Wentz on here, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be right. I'd rather Jalen Hurts come in next year and turn into this like elite Russell Wilson like we always wanted him to be. He he's able to get the ball down the field and extend plays from the pocket and just find Devontae Smith and find Dallas Goddard and all this and that. And I, I just I don't have faith in it. And that's why I'm looking in other directions. I'm, I'm looking in other yards. I'm trying to see what you got in your yard. You know, what kind of quarterback you have available. Uh, I think the closer this draft gets, the more you're going to hear rumors and things that the Eagles are looking into. You know, that the, that the Eagles are going to try and maybe swing one of these quarterbacks. I mean, Kenny Pickett's pro day was what, last night or the, the night ago, and they took him out to dinner. The Eagles were the team that took him out to dinner. He went to a bunch of different meetings. We were the team that took him out. You know, like that—that's—that's the—that's the caveat in that article. So, the Eagles are looking. Make no mistake about it. We know that they were looking for Deshaun Watson. He didn't want to come here, and it made me sick that it's because he's friends with Jalen Hurts. I don't believe that at all. But crazy how he ended up in Cleveland. That was probably one of the last teams in the league that you would have before the season expected or projected him to go to. Uh, that yeah, and then he winds up getting a five-year, two hundred thirty million dollar all guaranteed contract, which nuts for a guy who just came off like a twenty-two sexual assault civil suits and didn't get indicted, so they're gonna act like nothing happened. Basically, the NFL it's very, very, very disgusting, super disgusting. I'm not. I, I that's that's all I'll say about that. Especially when you're suspending a guy like Calvin Ridley for a, for an entire year for betting fifteen hundred on a on a. Uh, on some parlays that he wasn't even playing in the NFL. You know, he wasn't even playing in these games or anything like that. So uh, it's just a little hypocritical if you ask me, but I digress. Uh, let's just go back to the main points. The Eagles have not made enough moves to I- improve their roster to make me believe that they've, they're going to make that jump next year. They're going to be the almost the exact same team, if not worse, in my mind, unless they... I guess I can't say that with full confidence or honesty because the draft is still coming. I'll have to see what the deal is with the draft, what they wind up doing with all the picks. The defense is still kind of has some holes, you know. Uh, the Heretic is the only real signing that they've made. They don't have any true linebackers out there because Reddick is not going to be a coverage linebacker. He's going to be he's rushing a majority of the time. In that Gennard Avery role is what the people, everyone, anyone who watches the team or covers the team or is a football guy has said that he's going to be doing. So I'll trust them. So there's just a lot. That, and they, they still have three first round picks. They have picks in the second round. There's still a lot that can be changed. So it looks like that's what their their focus is on, that they're going to make these improvements in, in the draft. And, and I guess if you draft a quarterback, you're going to have to move Hurts or maybe you sit him behind Hurts. That that the whole reason I didn't want a quarterback when I I when I first kind of talked about started talking about the draft or when the season is because of the drama it's going to create it's going to be the the talk of the town it's going to be the number one topic all the time is 
well, when's Pickett going in? When's Willis going in? Whoever it is, Corral. I really hope it's not Corral, but Pickett or Willis seem like the two guys that are going to be available or at least close to available at the time. And if I don't see them moving up, so maybe maybe somebody maybe they pick them ahead of them, or maybe they fall in love with one of these guys and they do move up to not even take a chance and they move their second round or maybe a third rounder attached to one of those first rounders and they go and get their guy. Maybe, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily in love with a move like that, but if you really truly believe in that's the guy, that's the guy, then let's, let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm all in. These are the, they're the ones talking to them. They're the ones in the room learning about the kind of guys they are. And uh, shout out to the voice crack. Uh, no, Kenny Pickett's small hands, and, and Malik Willis has an absolute cannon, and he's got all the physical talent and the intangibles to to match with it. So, but when you start dissecting these guys, you fall in love with them during this time of year because there's nothing else to do. You're just trying. This is the only way it looks like we're going to be able to improve that position. And uh, I now am of, of the mindset where I'm okay with it. You know, I, I'm, I've kind of backtracked. Uh, it's not. I'm not totally against picking a quarterback in this draft if it's you're sticking there at 15, 16, or 20, and you're getting a guy that you yeah, you believe in. So long as you're getting other players to match with it, you know you're going to need a wide receiver. I don't know if you're going to draft a wide receiver or if there's still maybe a Jarvis Landry out there that's going to save the day. But the Eagles need they need more. They need more improvement. There's not much, and they wind up saving a couple million with Fletcher Cox, but they bring him back for a ridiculous amount of money. So uh, maybe this is, uh, it's just, there's just a lot going on. I don't believe in the Eagles as much as I did maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, maybe that, that if I sound a little down on them, that's probably why, because I thought there would be more movement, more more anything on the boys, and there's just not. you know. And I, I get that there's, they're kind of handcuffed through the salary cap, and they've kicked everything down the road, and it's kind of, all of their cap situations are stretched out. They only have two players that are making above a $5 million base salary. So that just goes to show you how much like all of the salary has been stretched out and signing bonuses and roster, like all these different little ways to get around the cap. It seems like we are really in a, in a cap struggle right now. And I don't see a way it's going to get much better, but Maybe the Eagles kill this draft. They they go crazy in this draft. They get all the necessary. There's only there's so many holes, but only so many picks you can make. But we shall see. Uh, let's keep it moving. Claude Giroux has been traded to the Florida Panthers for a bag of donuts and Owen Tippett, who I don't know much about, but he seems like a young uh, a younger guy that maybe we can get something out of. It seems like we got absolutely hosed in that trade, but we didn't have much leverage or room to uh to do much there but it you know for for Claude Giroux uh, I just wanted to you know you. Claude you were a you were a flyer you really were one Stanley Cup run where you kind of got carried by a bunch of older guys where the roster was way better then and then after that you became the captain and um you didn't do much after that, to be honest. You were kind of a no-show in the playoffs. And uh, I, you know, it's just very uh, kind of disappointing in my mind, his overall career. And I don't blame him completely because it's not all his fault. He was a great player for a large portion of his time here. But ultimately, 
he, he doesn't leave with a Stanley Cup. He doesn't leave with anything close to it, especially as the captain. Too many uh, disappointing playoffs where we just came up short, didn't didn't have enough. He didn't score enough, you know. It just, but he was never that type of player. I guess the thing here for me is I sound like a hater right now, but he leaves me with a sour taste in my mouth because he kind of hosed us at the end with this trade. He he shut down all these other options, only left one option to be traded to. So it kind of left out a bidding war or any ability to get more out of all these different teams. Chuck Fletcher was kind of forced to just take whatever they give him. And yeah, and we're left with uh, you know a couple of later round picks, a first round pick in like three years, and Owen Tippett. So that's that. Uh, I, don't, I told you I don't talk much about the Flyers here. They're a garbage organization. At this point, and Justin Braun and Derek Broussard were all moved yesterday at the trade deadline. So the Flyers are going to be a shell of themselves this year for the rest of this season. Ryan Ellis has been shut down for the rest of the year. Kevin Hayes came back, which uh, I was very shocked by. I thought they would shut him down as well, but I guess his injury was not as serious as the other guys. But yeah, I mean, Claude Giroux, ultimately, uh, he had a great run here. He'll probably have his jersey put in the rafters. He will he he will be remembered as a flyer. He had a great career here. He had a thousand games here, but it ultimately it's disappointing to me. He just is it the disappointing end, disappointing last few years. Just a disappoint like because I thought we could have gotten so much more out of the Claude Giroux era than we did, or even get somewhat close to a playoff berth, like or, or a Stanley Cup berth, or even get into the Eastern Conference Finals. But we never really got that close. It never really felt like we had that good of a team, so maybe it's not necessarily his fault. But I always, I always, I always held it against him that he didn't play that well in the playoffs. He was always hurt, or there was wrist injury, or this or that. There was always something going on with him that kind of hindered his playoff performances. So goodbye, Drew. Goodbye, Claude. I wish you the best in Florida. I'm not rooting against you or anything like that. There's no real hate, but. I do have a sour taste in my mouth, and I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to hate on the celebration or the, 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 it seemed like he was like dead the way they were celebrating his career and life uh, at this thousandth game. Like he was like, we were like, we were trading Gretzky, but I'm a hater. I am a hater. Uh, I always will be a hater in, in, in life, not, not just Claude Giroux. I don't hate Claude Giroux. I, I want to say that for the record. I do not hate him. I'm just, a little upset right now at the way things went down at the end, how this season kind of just tailspinned and how I, I honestly, let me tell you what, I just don't think he was that good of a captain. I don't think he was that good of a leader. There you go. That's that's what it comes down to. He'll never be Mike Richards in my mind. And there you go. This is this is some outlandish hater talk right now, but I have to get it out, okay? Because it's been one of those seasons, one of those years for the Flyers. And I love the Flyers. I am a 4 for 4 guy, as you guys can tell here. It's just, yeah, I just never thought he stepped up and and made it happen. Ever, ever since he took out Crosby, it's been nothing since then. When he took him out and then went top shelf on uh, Flurry or whoever the fuck the goalie was then. That's that, all right? I, I'm getting out of here on that note. Uh, never going to be Mike Richards. Uh, Mike Richards, better captain, not a better player, but you know. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Hot Take Hotbox. Thank you for joining me. 
I'm going to have another episode coming out later this week for the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast. Talk about UFC London, which was a great card this past weekend. We probably I'm going to try and do a another episode of this this week too. Just a little. Uh, a little uh, I'm prob- my plan is to do one of these a week by myself, one with someone else, just to mix it up, get someone else's opinion on here, and uh, yeah, just you know we like to hear the different voices and different opinions as opposed to me just talking into the void for 48 minutes now. So thank you as well, again for joining me. It's the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney.